guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Oxford Holy Club, your podcast of choice. I just know it. Today, I'm really excited to bring the episode to you. We're going to chew on some theological beef jerky. We are going to answer some Yahoo answer questions, and we're just going to have a great time. And I've got some updates for you if you listen to the last episode that you should be excited about. Our special guest today is Reverend Mark Collins. Uh, Mark was elected June 1st as the district superintendent of the Canada Atlantic District for the Church of the Nazarene. He's currently the lead pastor of the Oxford Church of the Nazarene in Nova Scotia, a position that he's held since 2010. He previously pastored in New Brunswick, Ontario, Prince Edward Island, and Alberta, and has served on the Canada Atlantic District Advisory Board since 2014. Mark and his wife, Ruth, are also the managers of Big Lake Camp, the Canadian Atlantic District's campground. He received his Bachelor of Theology from Canada Nazarene College, which is now Ambrose University, in 1984, the year that I was born. And a quote from um, Reverend Collins is, The deepest desire of our heart is to honor God in all things and be faithful to him. Ruth and I have committed to go where he leads, to do what he says, and to speak his words clearly through the power of his love. We are honored and humbled by the trust the people of Canada Atlantic have placed in us, and we embrace the challenge of living dangerously in the hands of an awesome God here in Atlantic Canada. Mark and his wife, Ruth, currently reside in Oxford, Nova Scotia, Canada. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks, Brad. Nice to be here with you. May I call you, Mark? Oh, sure you can. You always have. Uh, Yeah, no one else (laughs) knows, but we have a long history. We do. How old would I have been when we first met? Uh, What would you have been, 10 maybe? Yeah, you came to one of the places we mentioned, PEI, to O'Leary. To O'Leary, yeah. And And, and we first moved there in 1994. How old you would have been? I would have been 10. You would have been 10. Look at that. There we go. Yep. Mysteries of the universe yep. solved. Yeah. Pastor Mark was my pastor growing up at the O'Leary Church of the Nazarene. And uh, when I was in youth, you led our youth group and we've and, had... And had to have surgery because of it? Well, we don't need to talk about that. With- Speaking of need, that's what it was. It was a knee surgery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, well... Okay. So we have a long history. And six years ago, I came on staff here at the Oxford Church of the Nazarene under Pastor Mark. And it's just been uh, quite a journey together. And so I'm excited for you to come on to the show. And uh, did you listen to any episodes? Have you listened to any of this beforehand? Yeah, I started listening to one and then someone interrupted me and I never got back to it. But it did sound good. You sound very professional, Brad. Well, thank you. I just hope my accent doesn't ruin it all for you. The one thing I hear an awful lot when it comes to this show is that we have great uh, quality of our audio, but no one ever really talks about the quality of our content. Not sure why that is. I don't know. Um, everybody really liked the episode with uh, with uh, Pastor Ian. Yeah. I yeah. hear a lot he's about a, that he's one. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. And no matter what you say, I like him. Yeah, really. <laughs> Wait, no, I never said anything bad. <laughs> Uh, well, on the show, we do a couple of different things. Uh, some things that are funny, some things that are serious, and some things that are just out there. Um, there's a website called Yahoo Answers that people just post random questions and people will give um, hilarious answers. So I enjoy kind of tossing one of these questions out to the guests and just taking some time on it. So this question is this. 
Do you think humans will ever walk on the sun? Now, before you answer that, let me tell you the context. This is, I read this verbatim from the internet. I was just thinking how crazy it was that a person walked on the moon and Mars. I was just wondering if you think person will ever be able to walk on the sun too? I know it's really hot, but I'm thinking if you go in the winter, when the sun is like 30 degrees, I bet they could do it. I read it verbatim how... Did you make that up? I didn't. This you is, did. This that is sounds not like me. you. This is not from me. Any thoughts on this one? Well, I, yes, I do have very deep thoughts on this. I, I, what, what is the sun made out of anyway? You know, before you came, I did some research on that. Did you do that. some research? I did. You're some boy. I, I wasn't Tell messing around. What oh. did you find? Well, now there's uh, hydrogen and helium and but to the best of my knowledge the core of the sun is plasma there's uh nuclear no. fusion happening how do they know that well they I don't mean, really they, they there don't. you go they, there you go. they so, said so what is it made of then i mean they don't even know what it's made of and my question in all this is what is fire made out of what is fire I don't, I don't know. Uh, 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 what? <laughs> do you have an answer? Well, I do. Fire is a thermal chemical reaction that takes one body or one chemical from one form to another. So in the release of energy, especially well, yeah. when it comes to hydrogen. Now, my other question is, what's the human body most made out of? Water. Water. Hmm. Water. Fire. Hmm. Steam. Hmm. Walk on the sun. Doesn't sound healthy. Wow. Did you, did you prep for this? Did you somehow know? <laughs> that just came right off the top of my head like dandruff. Well, now, Mike, my, my problem with this question was in their context, because they said, I was just thinking how crazy it was that a person walked on the moon and Mars. Now, to the best of my knowledge, <laughs> we've only ever... <laughs> yeah, somebody was watching the movie The Martian. That's yeah. That they saw Matt Damon on the moon. That's right. And, or on Mars, sorry, yeah. and thought we made it. Yeah, that almost didn't work out so well for him there either. I haven't seen it. Haven't you? No. That was a good movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so person that's asking, we are made majority of water and the sun is made of fire and the two don't mix. No, the two don't mix. So there. Also, we've never been to Mars. We have a rover on Mars. But do we? (laughs) Do we, Brad? I think this is a conspiracy myself to think that we're actually getting someplace. Uh, I, you should have been on last week's episode because <laughs> we talked about whether we believe that NASA was creating thunderstorms to cover up the sound of space battles. Ooh, I think they are. Well, I think there's the Black Knight is is out there in space someplace. Do you see that on the internet? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, well, I'll be Google searching that when we're done. You better be Google searching this big meteor or something <laughs> circling the earth and taking pictures of everybody. I don't know. You sure that's not in a Marvel movie? Well, it could be. It could be that too. Maybe that was Matt Damon. I don't know. Uh, well, uh, I guess that's the answer to the Yahoo question. Do you think humans will ever walk on the sun? I'm going to go on record and say no. I'm going to go on record and say, why would you want to? Fair enough. And I'd like to know what it's made of now. So if you're a scientist and you're listening to our podcast, let us know. We Or if you can make it up and say it with enough authority, people might believe you. So, Mark... One of the reasons that I was really excited to get you onto the show was for a serious reason. Um, I, personally, I have learned an awful lot through uh, your mentorship in my own life, and you really were the one that introduced me to the Holy Spirit, the person and the work that he could be in my life and, and should be. And as a Christian, 
how I was created for relationship with the Holy Spirit in a way that I didn't understand before. I've, I, I knew who Jesus was. I've been a Christian since I was six with my ups and downs. And, and you know, cause you've been a part of those with me. Um, and I'm not perfect, but it's been the Holy Spirit in my own life. That's made a difference. And uh, so I'm curious, Mark, if you would ever share your journey uh, of, of what it, what it looked like, what brought you to the place where you're at now in your walk. Does that make sense how I frame that question? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I think so. I think so. You can interrupt me, you know, cause you know, you know the journey, but I'll just say it in my words and you can correct me where I got it wrong. I, I think, <laughs> I think you'll be fine. <clears throat> so where do you, where do you want to start? You can start, start at the right, beginning. You can start from the beginning. Okay. Okay. The reason I say that Mark is this, and, and this is not a judgment in any way, but I just know what it was like for me uh-huh. and, and, and I can see it in a, in a lot of churches that don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, I think they do acknowledge the Holy Spirit, okay. but I'm not sure that they know what it is that they're acknowledging. And I don't mean that judgmentally because I, I know what that means for myself, yes. you know, to, to do that. And, and theologically to know about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and you know what? And we all kind of say, well, yeah, I know the Holy Spirit and this and that. And, but I, um, I, I'm not sure what that means. There's an interesting passage actually in, um, in the Gospels about, that, I, that I go back to quite often, you know, and, and Jesus was trying to teach the, the disciples about the Holy Spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Gospel of John 14, 15, 16, 17 talks about um, our relationship that we're meant to have with Jesus. And so when he, when he was crucified, and then when he rose again, you remember Mary went to the tomb first, and then Peter and John went, and, uh, and there's this, this little passage of scripture. I was, I was away at a conference this week, and somebody was talking about it, and they left out this most vital verse. And the verse was, was, uh, was one that maybe to most people, you'd say, well, that's, I don't even know why that's in there. But it, it goes something like this, <clears throat> and this is, I don't, have, I don't have a Bible in front of me, so I'm just, this is just by memory. But it goes, it goes something like um, Peter and John, you know, as they stood outside the tomb, they, they didn't know from Scripture yet that Jesus was supposed to rise from the dead, hmm. right? And, I, and I, it struck me one day that I was, as I was reading that because, because what happened was they were having an experience with the risen Christ but didn't have a theological context that they understood about it, you know? Right. So there was an experience that came first, Jesus rose from the dead, but they then they framed that uh, scripturally and theologically afterwards, right? So the experience came first, and then the, and then the framework of the theological context and everything else. Well, that's different than that, how we see it That's today. different than how we do, see huh. it now, because, I mean, in the course of study or you go away to, you know, to a university, you learn about it, and then somehow you try to fit your knowledge into an experience. Right. Right? Or, or you're, you're in a church and somebody starts preaching about the Holy Spirit and you think, oh, you know, so you hear about it first and then you want to move into that. And, and maybe that's not bad, Um didn't work so well for me, you know, and that's, that's probably what we're referring to today. You know, as you, as you know, I, uh, I, I graduated from CNC with a bachelor of theology uh, back in 1984, 
Are you born in 1984? I was born that year. You're some boy, eh? <laughs> yeah. Man. Anyway, so yeah, so I graduated back in 1984 <clears throat> with a Bachelor of Theology, and we studied about the Holy Spirit and, and holiness and sanctification. And, uh, and then I pastored for, I don't know, 20 years maybe? Yeah, we'll say 20 years, and, um, and just kind of was really dissatisfied. But we weren't unsuccessful. Churches grew. I was going to say, right? like, over the course of those churches, you had successful... We, we did, yeah. You know, if you took any metric that we would use today... Right, right. You, you would gauge those as successful ministries. Yeah, yeah, they were successful. I remember you mentioned, you, you missed one that we pastored Middleton and Port Lorne. Oh, my apologies. And, uh, and those, were, those, were, those were great churches. Those were great people. Uh, we started, when we first went to Middleton, there was about eight people sitting all in one pew in the very back of the church. And, uh, but the finest of people, you know, just salt of the earth kind of stuff. And then over in Port Lorne, um, we, we did, uh, I did, I taught Sunday school, did a service in the morning, taught Sunday school, did a service in the afternoon, and then did a service at night that was a couple hours long. And uh, we were there for about five years. And then when we left there, the church had grown from eight till about, I don't know, 95 or something like that. Hmm. It was a, it was a, you know, yeah. I mean, people would say there was a good ministry. Went out to Stettler and uh, out in Alberta and pastored there for a while. And the church grew, not, not quite the same, but it grew and people were getting saved and, and good things were happening. And then, uh, then in O'Leary, you know, we, we went to there and Prince Edward Island and that was a really good experience. Great people there and, and a lot of good memories. The church grew. We had some, had some troubles, some ups and downs, but you know, sure. just like any any place. But the church, it was a good ministry. And uh, <clears throat> around about the end of that term, there, I was I was in a burnout stage. I believe I, I was mm. I was not in a good way spiritually. And and part of and this this is important to this conversation because a lot of a lot of the church growth that we were experiencing can be, could be, and still is. I think. Um, formed and fabricated, not in a bad way, because, you know, you're winning the lost and uh, and you're doing a lot of good things. Remember we had kids down there? Yes, I do. Uh, you do remember that. Very much you? so. You were a main character in the Kids Town program, you know, back yeah. in those good old days. But, you know, you, you do all this kind of stuff and people will, will come to church, you know, and, right. they'll, and they'll make a decision that they want to follow Christ. So, so I, you know, getting back to this burnout stage thing. So I, I was, I was going down this, this, uh, this valley of, of really being burned out because a lot of the stuff I was doing, I was doing out of, out of my own energy, you mm -hmm. know, and, and just, just operating, you know, I, I would study, I was studying the principles of church growth, uh, knew what you needed to do. You know, you could form more cells and get more people involved and more programs and, and do things that no one else is doing, you know, the best singing groups. And, and I, I remember thinking this, this one thing, I thought, you know, um, if you want more people to come to church, let's just give a car away every Sunday. Hmm. Right. Just, just say every Sunday we're giving a car away. You'd have hundreds of people show up. Yeah. If getting more people into church is what you want to do or into an organization. Sure. And, uh, and so, so that began at a really, a really dark time in our lives. Um, it was, it was, it was an awful time. Um, and really it was entering into the valley of the shadows of darkness, I guess. I was a few years after that, we moved to Ontario and, if, and what we were only there for maybe a year or, or two at the most. And, uh, had this diagnosis of the early stages of uh, esophageal cancer, 
lost my voice for a year. Well, I shouldn't say I lost my voice. I wasn't supposed to speak a whole lot. Had a couple of procedures and and um, still on medication for that, uh, just to keep it at, at a certain spot. But I, I remember thinking in those days, you know, uh, being and feeling abandoned by the church. Hmm. Um, I, I remember the last thing someone said to me was, you know, I was as I went off into this dark journey. They said, oh, "Nice haircut." <laughs> that was it. Huh? Never heard another thing after that. You know, and well, I, I, I guess the parting thought was there. You know, was uh, if you get yourself better, you know, come back and see us, and maybe we'll find a place for you, or hmm. we'll see if there's a place for you. And I thought, well, welcome to the church. That's that's what I thought at the time. Anyway, the the journey was about a five year journey, maybe six years, maybe seven. Now that I think about it, um, but it was a journey into deep darkness, a journey into despair, a journey into lostness, a journey into just the dark night of the soul. You know, right? And um, and Ruth asked me one time. She said, "Why are you even a Christian still?" And I said, "Because God refuses to let me go." And and it seems, you know, in retrospect, it's not it's not a fun journey to go through it, you know, and I can't I can't I'm not and I'm not going to even try, but I can't explain to you how dark a time that was of feeling betrayed, of feeling lost, of feeling, you know, I mean, the skills that I learned with my Bachelor of Theology don't translate to anything else in the world for occupation. And um, and all the all the things that come along with that. And but I, I remember I remember thinking that one particular time that God was saying through this dark time, um, you know, as I, maybe I was whining to him about it. Maybe I was, you know, getting a little angry with God and saying, um, you know, how, why have you abandoned me? But, but I was referring to the church, you know? And so he said this to me, he said, I am not the church. Mm-hmm. We need to have a separation here. The church is mine. He said, in other words, the church is God's, but he is not the church, right? And, and somehow or another, and I, and I think it's, I think it was part, I don't blame my training. I don't blame all the church growth information, all that, because I think that's, that's valuable and it's important. Sure. But I, but I think that somewhere I had switched allegiance from, from God being God to the church being God. You know, and I, I remember filling out uh, pastor's reports where it would say how many new Nazarenes, but it didn't say how many new Christians. And I mm. thought, I'm not sure what that means. So anyway, so so coming out of that journey um, of darkness, the valley of the shadows there, you know, and it, it's an intimidating time for a pastor. And you know, you know, I mean, you're you're a pastor and uh, and you know that our lives are are this what else what else do we know what else do we have right <laughs> yes right so so when all of that ground shakes underneath you you kind of wonder well wait a minute now is the bible true or is it not true and so that that then began a journey for me of god revealing himself in a in a very unique and and uh, in a powerful way and so when i when i came back i was out of the church during during all that dark valley time um, and um, just trying to make ends meet and doing some stuff, and uh, and when I when I went back into the church, came back into the church, God was very clear. He said, "Only only say what I tell you to say, only do what I tell you to do, and only go where I tell you to go." Mm. And we made this agreement that that's all I would do. 
And, you know, so much so that basically to this point in time, I haven't written a sermon since, you know. He'll give me a, a verse of scripture to start the message and, uh, and maybe a few others to kind of go along with it. And I'll write those down, but really where the sermon ends up at or where the message ends up at is completely into the hands of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I really believe that, that God brings us to a crisis point where he can, in his, you know, in effect, clothe himself with us. Hmm, like you he know? said about Gideon. Yeah, like, like he did say about Gideon. You know, and, and even in John chapter 17, Jesus talks about this. He talks about that, that, that he, you know, and in, you know, I don't know about dichotomous, trichotomous stuff or, you know, all, all what that is in relation to this. But he said that he and the Father are one and they would come and make their home with us they would they would live inside us right and and they would they would make their home there with us and and so i you know you, you wonder is that is that true is that real anyway you i mean brad you know the journey that we've been on and we we've been down into cuba quite a bit and we faced the darkness in a in a very tangible way yeah you know with with demonic entities and and with healings and with all kinds yeah, of things right. you know like like deep spiritual stuff that you don't normally see in the context, at least, of our world up here in Canada. Um, but, uh, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I really believe, is a, is a, uh, is a, is a person um, that moves in our hearts, that lives in us, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's not like a theological statement, and I, I don't, not even sure how I would frame that in a theological statement. Uh, I, I talked to other pastors and district superintendents, and uh, and I asked them about this, and they 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 can give me a pretty standard, a pretty standard uh, definition of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, and sure. you know, and all that. You know, the presence of Jesus. James Dunn wrote this book, Jesus and the Spirit, and he said in there, he said the presence, the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus when Jesus is absent. You know that's as good as thing as any, but it's a whole lot more than that. You know, there's a, there is a, I want to say an intimacy. There's a, there's a knowledge. There's an understanding. There's a thing, like, like for instance, uh, and and I mean you know this, but I'm just going to say it, that that something has something happened, and uh, and so that now when I when I pray with people, um, I'll begin to see things like like you know people will call here. Or they have called here, and they and they they ask me. They say, "Do you have the gift of healing?" And I'll say, "Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no." That that um, that it's it's kind of like like I'll pray. I'll be praying for someone, and and say, "I'm praying for you," you know. And and you say, "I've got a pain in my chest. And maybe it's a heart attack. Can you pray that I don't die of a heart attack?" So I'll I'll pray for you. But then the Holy Spirit will will impress on me very clearly and distinctly that it's not about your heart; it's about something else. And you know, yes. So yeah. it's not really a gift of healing. It's like it's like you have all the gifts, but only when you need them. He but equips you that moment. He, he equips you in that moment, but it's 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 an equipping of understanding what his will is for your life in this moment. Right. Right. You know, so so sometimes people will say things like, um, you know, I'm having trouble with my spouse, you know, can you pray for us? And as I'm praying, I understand it's not their spouse, it's them that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so then it, it it's it's like God is saying this is my will. This is the problem. This is how we're going to fix it. Now I just need you to, 
to be the person to to speak it out, you know. And then and then also, I mean, sometimes when I'm praying with people, I I see funny things, you know. I, I see, like not funny, but things that don't make sense to me. And and so I'll I'll say to the person, this is what I see. And then, the, but they'll understand, and I'll, then I'll I'll recognize. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit who is directing to um, affect that area of their life. See, and, th- and that's well, like the first the first twenty years of ministry. I, I didn't understand that. Didn't have that. I could I could I could take a sermon. I could write. I could write three strong points. I could have, I would find a, I'd find a good introduction for it. I'd find a good uh, story for it and have a three point sermon with, with three really strong illustrations, make people laugh, make people cry. They would understand it. We'd all go home. We'd feel okay. Right. That's not this. This is the, is the moving of the Holy Spirit that speaks directly into a person's heart. Now, can I ask you a question about that? Maybe. Okay, go ahead. Do you ever feel like that puts you in a very vulnerable place? A vulnerable how? What do you mean? We love control. And so you have surrendered control to say, I'll get on that platform. And if you don't have something for me, then I won't speak. But, but I guess I was thinking of like an instance that you shared, uh, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit talks to you and says, this isn't the problem, this is. But now you have the choice whether to be obedient and to speak out what you just heard or not. So I guess is that, is that kind of a vulnerable place? Um, maybe vulnerable is not the right word. Um, Threatening? Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. <clears throat> maybe. Like some, sometimes uh, it goes like this. Like sometimes there's situations that come up. They're not always good. They're not always fun. They're not always nice when someone comes and they want, they want us to pray for them. And, uh, and they, they have cancer. Mm-hmm. And I know they're not going to get well. Right, I know that they're going to die because God says this is their time. Right, you know, and and people say, well, God, you know, He's going to heal everybody, but may, maybe He does, but that's not my experience. I don't, I don't see that. Mm-hmm. I, it's appointed unto man once to die. Everybody's going to die. That's right. Right, and and how that happens is how that happens. Um, so so sometimes I remember praying for someone and uh, they had cancer and they said. Uh, they said, I'm just believing God's going to heal you, you know, and right then, you know, was when I had to say, I don't think so. I think you... And did you say that? Yeah, well, well, I, yeah, you say something to this effect. You need to go home, get your house in order. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, what else can you say? You can't say, no, I saw you to step into eternity, you know, so you need to get your house in order. Yeah. I, I, so if I tell you that, Brad, you know what it means. Thanks. Good grief. <laughs> I guess that was kind of where my question was coming from. When those hard moments come, you have to be. You, you well, yeah, yeah, and you know, and and now it's like being district superintendent, which it's just, it's a strange kind of thing now, you know, because I I really believe God has has formed a plan for our district, but I also you know now when I pray with pastors, mm-hmm. you know they can you know and I don't I don't want to say anything bad because it's interesting I'll tell you this too before I say anything else God has never said anything to me that condemns someone yeah, you've said that to me and that's, yeah. that has stuck yeah. with me since the first time you said that yeah it, it's always been about uh, it's always been about um, this person needs this to grow beyond this and they need this to find healing in this it's, it's that kind of thing or they need to address this you know so 
so if if I'm praying with a church or pastor, say, then then sometimes the Lord will just show me the situation in the church. Mm. And sometimes it's not nice. But even even as it comes around in the in the not nice situation, then it you can it's it's like it's like he focuses it in and you see, okay, this is the root cause. And maybe it was something that happened 50 years ago in that church that that person is still there and they've, they've been fostering this, this, um, this bitterness or something or, they, or something happened to them, you know, that God just, he wants to heal them of that. And so, you know what, honestly, I mean, you know this, you know, when, when you speak that sometimes God just lays it down. Mm-hmm. He says, do you want healing? This is the way to heal. You want wholeness? This is the way to wholeness. So it's it's kind of like that. So so is it threatening? I'm going to get back to your question. No, not really, because it's not my farm, not my pig, not <laughs> my problem. I just I'm just the voice. The that's the story there. I, I just I know for me there was I always had that fear of if I ever prayed for someone at the front that wanted healing and they didn't they weren't healed and that, I could say all the words you know you could say everything under the sun and then they still walk away not healed. What does that make me look like? But it's not about that. It's not about that. It, that's right. It's about being obedient. And that's right. Being sensitive. And, and, that, and that's, a, that's a good point because we don't heal people. That's right. We don't heal people. When Jesus calmed the water, he said to the disciples, where is your faith? As, there, as in the structure of that, of that sentence, where is your faith, is, is uh, what is your faith in? Mm-hmm. You know, where is your faith? In, in whom do you have it? You know, because it's, it's God that heals. I remember, I remember we were doing evangelism in Cuba, remember? You may, I don't know if you were there for that one. I think you were, and there was a demon possessed, you know, person screaming and hollering and going on, and uh, somebody had a hold of them, you know. So Osmel and I, we went over, just, and um, and the yelling. You, you were there. I was there. Yes. You were there. So we just put our hands on on the on the person who was possessed or under the control of the of the demon or spirit, and uh, very quietly uttered a couple of words. No one else could hear. I don't believe. And the person just went still and went silent. You know, the demon was gone. Like, it's not, it's not, you don't yell. Like, you're not yelling. You're not trying to force your will or your plans on, on anything in the spiritual realm at all. There's just, there's power in the name of Jesus. And that's the, whose authority we walk under. And so, but somebody, interesting, somebody came up to me afterwards and they said, uh, they said, I'd sure like to know what you said just then. And I, and I remember thinking what I said, I don't even remember what I said, but but it's not a series of words you say, mm-hmm. right? It's not, so there's, there's no code, there's no secret abracadabra stuff because it's not you doing it. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that's resident in your life that speaks through you, you know? And the more of you and your pride, I'm not saying to you, I'm saying to me, the more of my pride that I can give up, you know, in the moment, then, then the more the Holy Spirit has the ability to speak to the real issue in the person. And that's, you know, and like in, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have a, a theological construct that speaks to that, but you seldom see that in the church. Sure. You know, like, and, and you know what our services are like on Sunday. You know that some Sundays after the service, after, after I've done preaching, if I'm closing, sometimes, and I don't know how to say it, but sometimes I can, I can, I can hear... I can't hear, but I perceive um, people's conversations with God, you know, and I know that he's talking to them, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and so I say that because I, yes. if, if I'm hearing it or if I'm perceiving it, it's because God, 
wants them to know that he's hearing them and they're not perceiving it, or they are perceiving it, and uh, and they don't know how to respond to it. They think, oh, that's just my imagination. God doesn't sure. talk to me, you know, and all that. Yep. So so when I say that out loud, that this is what I hear, then quite often afterwards people come up and they say, you know, that's me, or or, or I'm that person, you know, or or things like that, so... So, so getting back to your question, Brad, you know, do I feel intimidated by it or vulnerable or afraid? Not really. Like, you know, in the in the beginning, sure. I mean, you kind of you kind of think it because you know you got to start someplace. You got to jump off the cliff somewhere, you know, and you get that big thrill with your stomach up in your mouth as you jump <laughs> off the cliff before you hit the water, hoping that there is that the water is going to be deep enough to float you. But then afterwards, you you're thinking, yeah, that was right. And now the interesting thing is about this is that if you if you sense the Holy Spirit telling you or speaking speaking into your life to speak out, and you don't do it, it gets quieter. I, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought it yeah. up. Yeah, it gets quieter. But th- when you do speak into it and speak it out, when He speaks into you and you speak it out, then it's clearer and louder the next time. It's a funny kind of thing. So it sounds to me that there is a dynamic relationship that di- like a, uh, happening between you or I or you know a listener and the Holy Spirit of this conversation that happens. Um, and it also sounds like there's a process because I, I uh, you know, there's growth in in understanding and learning and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would I be fair to say that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, yeah. Because I, I think you can see that scripturally. Mm-hmm. I I know from my own experience that I can see that that there are people that are that have more experience in the Holy Spirit and and hearing than I do at this point. You know, um, so there. I, to me, there's growth. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's 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 growth. Uh, you know, it's a. It's a curious thing because I, I really think, you know, as we're talking about it, it's, it's kind of foreman. But I think there's, there's growth in faith. Sure, yeah. And faith is confidence, and the confidence is in God, right? So then we have, you know, as we move into the, in the deep of the Holy Spirit, we recognize that there's, our faith is in God, but then there's also confidence in God. But there's confidence in that we hear His voice, we know His voice. I think that's probably why Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice, you know. A lot. Of, uh, I was thinking while you were we were saying that, you know, that it came into my mind about Acts chapter nineteen, and Paul went to Ephesus, right? Mm-hmm. And he found this little church. Now, happened to be a church, you know, that that believed in baptism, um, and and they and and he said, "Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed?" And they said, "Well, no, that you know we." Uh, we we don't even know what that is. And he said, well, into what baptism have you been baptized? And he's, they said, well, into John's baptism, right? And he said, well, that's a baptism of repentance. You know, I mean, you can read about that in Acts 19. And then he's, uh, he said, uh, well, how about the Holy Spirit? And then he laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then the church took off. Yeah. Right? The church took off. And I, and I think that's a big problem with the church today is, yes, they believe in the Holy Spirit, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know about seeing a whole lot of evidence of that. But will they receive? Yeah, have they received the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit? It doesn't mean the Spirit hasn't been poured out. It just means that they have not received that, and that's a personal reception. Right, right. You know, so there you go. What do you think of that? That was great, Mark. Thank you. Um, 
the, I'm not sure oh, how to. Oh, hey, can I say one more thing? Oh, yes, and then I have a question. I got to move this thing along. Okay, okay. Here's 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 the next. Uh, the and it, but it relates directly to this and um, and and how it relates. You, um, was it last year? No, two years ago. Uh, there was a there was a demon possession event when we were in Manzanillo. You remember that? Yes. And that and the demon was a it was a it was a strong demon. It wasn't it wasn't responding the way that normally a, a spiritual. Uh, possession or oppression would respond and it wasn't going but when it did go it jumped from person to person and I always was shouting the same thing about about me not preaching there and he's not allowed blah 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 you know so finally it went out but then when it went into the last person went into this girl whose name was Rosa and and we know her quite well because she's one of the translator sisters but she said an interesting thing I asked her I said well you know like what happened and and she said she said it was in me but I, and it controlled my arms and my legs, my mouth, but I could feel it in there with me. Now, now that's curious to me because that's not how the Holy Spirit acts. The Holy Spirit does not, does not control everything about you. Right. You constantly have to give over that control to the Holy Spirit. And it's, and it's like, you know, like, when the spirit landed on Jesus, it was, it was as gentle as a dove, but it's completely opposite from a demon possession, which, which is really, you know, because mm. because a lot of times people think, well, when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, I'll just be whatever. Well, no, that's that's not the way it happens. He's gentle. So, to the person that's listening and has listened to this, uh, that has not had an experience with the Holy Spirit in, in the way that we're describing, that you're describing right now, what would you say is the next step for that person? They're a Christian, they've believed, and they believe in the Word, they believe what they read, but the experience that that you've just laid out, they haven't had, and it'll look different for everyone, I'm sure. But what would you say would be the next place? Where what? How would you counsel someone? Well, well, first of all, you know, there's, there's no, you're right. Every experience is different. And so for me to translate my experience over to anyone else and say, this is, you're going to experience the same thing as me. It's not because they're different. Mm-hmm. Their background is different. Their aches and pains, their hurts are different. One of the things that, that happens is the Holy Spirit takes you through this time of cleansing. And, and part of this idea of cleansing is, um, is healing, you know, that you're cleansed, you're healed, you're, and then, but there's this, this, I don't know, let's call it a, a medical situation, a spiritual hospital you go to maybe, you know, where, where he brings up all these things in your life. Um, you know, I mean, it, it could be anything from, from uh, gossip, you know, that you got to deal with that, you know, you got to deal with pornography, you got to deal with addictions, you know, you got to deal with, you know, alcohol, whatever, you sure. know, so it's it's always different. Or, or for some, you know, it's a matter of dealing with uh, sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a matter of dealing with, he- you know, getting the Holy Spirit brings healing and then, then he moves you into this other realm. But people want to jump right from, from zero to 200 miles an hour without dealing with all this. And you can't right. do that. You cannot do that. It's not a matter of saying the right words. It's not a matter of, of uh, you know, standing up in front and, you know, waving your hand and everybody falls down or, or, or healing everybody and thinking that's it. That's, that's not what this is about. The, it, it's all about, you, you go through this process of, of healing 
of deep moving on the inside by the Holy Spirit and cleansing. And, and that's part of the whole, you know, doctrine of holiness that we have that we study, but we don't experience. Right. There's the problem right there. We study it. We know it inside and out. And then we try to fit our meek little experience of holiness into what this grand event actually is. I mean, I know Jesus was speaking about salvation and himself, but, you know, he said that you search the scriptures for in them you think you'll find life. Right. Right. And we spend an awful uh, lot of time. And But he, he goes on and says something else. Want you? Okay. Let me, let me finish that verse for you. He said, and, you, and you're absolutely right. You search the scriptures for in them you think you will find salvation. Yeah. But you do not realize they speak of me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And that whole idea of coming to him to have life is exactly what we're talking about. That's the moving of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I believe. I'm with you. There you go. Thank you. I'm sorry that I, I, I have kept checking my watch. Because, uh, you are keep check, checking well, your watch. Well, my, You're some boy. My mother just got out of surgery on oh, her back. Did she? And so okay. I was getting uh, a text message that everything went well. So okay. thank you, Lord. Good. Yeah. You've moved into a new role, which you referenced a little bit and, and spoke to, but uh, you have now, you're, in, you're a dual role. You're senior pastoring here at the Oxford Church of the Nazarene, and you are the new district superintendent for the Church of the Nazarene in Atlanta, Canada. And so I'm just wondering, um, you're a few months into it, and I'm just wondering what it's been like for you and, and kind of what, what, what was your expectation or did you have any? And, um, you know, maybe where do you see us going as a, as a district? Whatever you kind of want to say about that. But, uh, you know, when I spoke with Pastor Ian, he had just moved into the national director. And so I kind of wanted to get a, you know, a sense, you know, did he sense that there was a transition coming? And maybe for yourself, did you begin to sense and how did you know and um, I, I mean I've been through this yeah we, you we have talked right right so I know some of this yeah yeah I I um you know I this is not a job I wanted and I'm not even sure I want it now um but I I do I I mean I have to believe that God's will is done in our lives as we're open and and through the whole process I uh, tried my best not to be in the place to have this job, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not, but the time in the valley that I referenced before um, taught me a valuable lesson. One is don't ignore God. Don't ignore his leading. Pay attention to what's going on. And so uh, as much as I didn't and don't really want this job, I, I, I do believe God has put me here. Um, I, I do believe that he has a plan and a purpose for for me in this and you know and, and funny thing because when i was praying about it i would i would pray um i'd praise i don't know like i remember one time ruth and i went away to a prayer retreat and you know this but i'm gonna say it anyway you know and, and god and i was i was just saying lord there's so many problems and what about this and what about that and i don't want to leave my church and 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 all of this and, and he said uh you know when i mentioned the problems he said he said mark these are not your problems these are my problems. Mm -hmm. You just show up and I'll provide the answers, you know? So, I mean, that's pretty liberating, you know, I when, when so. you, when you go into a difficult situation and, um, and there, you know, you go in and somebody can be really upset at you. And, and sometimes they are, you know, cause I mean, that's leadership. That's leadership. But, it, but to go away thinking, you know what, they're not upset at me. They're upset at the problem. Yeah, you know, and 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 for the few moments that I'm there, well, I mean, they they crucified Jesus, so I could I could handle a little bit of agony, 
you know, and I know that it's not to me that they agonize. And, and the other thing is, at going through this process, God kept saying to me, he said, Mark, just stay in the river. Just stay in the river. Stay in the middle of the river. And the river, he meant, you know, the river of the Holy Spirit. Just stay in the middle of the Spirit. Flow, just go, float along where the stream is going. And I said, Lord, I, I want to see what's around the corner. I want to know. Mm-hmm. I, I need to get ready. He said, no, just just you don't need to know you know sufficient unto unto today is the evil thereof in other words you got enough yep. on your plate for that's today right. you don't know about tomorrow mm. and i guess that's that's probably true so i just stayed in the river and and there it is okay yeah that answer that question yeah yeah um certainly the process of getting into that did you feel that there was a transition period at all like did you sense in your spirit that there was something changing as a lead up or was it more about just like you just said, staying in the river, just. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, no, yes and no. I, I, and you know this uh, because we know each other really well. I, I have, what would I say? There's, it's sensed a transition. I've sensed a deepening of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, and I believe the lead up to this time as a district superintendent was prepared by the lead up from the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you know, and that, that as I was faithful in what I said and, 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 you know, like some, some, and you're right, sometimes it does feel awkward to say what God says to you, you know, that, that somehow, you know, cause there's still pride in there a little bit sure. and you don't want to be wrong, you know, say, you know what, God's going to heal you. And what if he doesn't, you know, there's always that kind of thing. But I think the lead up, of those few years of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the church has prepared now to this lead up. So in, in the sense of that I sense there was a transition coming, now I didn't have a big sense of that other than there was a, there was a deeper anointing of the Holy Spirit I, that I felt and am feeling mm-hmm. even more and more that encompasses. It's kind of it's like, uh, like there's a, there's a, there's a bubble you know, around Oxford, we'll say, you know, which is the anointing of the Holy Spirit through the church here. <clears throat> and as you're in the center of it, it's kind of like it's flowing. It's a viscous substance that's flowing through you, but but now it's it's increased to all of Atlantic Canada. That that's kind of you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So no, not a transition, but a deepening of the of the journey. I, I think it's neat that you'd say it that way because conversation that I get to have with youth leaders and different you know people from different churches on our district, there is it seems like there's an awakening and a, and a new sense of the Holy Spirit's moving across across the Maritimes, mm-hmm. what that's going to look like in the future. I'm extremely excited to see Yeah, uh, for the church, for the people, for, for my family, for my kids to grow up in a church that is alive, you mm-hmm. know, I'm anyway. Um, the other thing that you're, you've been involved in as long as I've known you is Big Lake Camp. Oh, Big Lake Camp. And I know Big Lake Camp has a special place in your heart um, because I've I've been there when you have tried to rally, well, not tried, when you've rallied the district together to provide a new dining hall. Uh, you challenged us all, and this was before I was old enough probably to drink coffee, but you challenged everyone if they could give up a coffee a day or a week or something like that, we could we could pay for a dining hall. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I mean, I, I was too young to know the ins and outs of everything that was going on. I know that there's a dining hall there now where once there wasn't. So someone must have gave up a coffee. But I'm just wondering, Mark, um, if you had a minute to say anything about Big Lake Camp, I, 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 there's an awful lot I should be saying about it, but I would love it if you're, you're, you and Ruth um, are the managers 
of Big Lake Camp. Is that the pr- correct title? Uh, we we have been the managers. Yeah, yeah. T- it's in a time of transition with with the new job and sure. and the church. Uh, Big Lake Camp. We're we're stepping out of leadership there, but now, I mean we're still in leadership because district superintendent is. You have to be. You have to be. You're you're the final authority there. What, so yes. Now what you just said is that okay to go out onto the airwaves? Um, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I haven't named any names. So. Sure. And, but that's that Wait, is, is it the, me? Uh, it's you, Brad. Oh, yeah, congratulations! Oh, Surprise! No thanks. Pass. <laughs> I I could not deal with that. Yeah. Uh, but what would you say about Big Lake Camp? Well, Big Lake Camp, you know. Um, is a is a special spot for for both Ruth and I and for me in particular I started going there when I was eight years old back in 1968 that means I was born 1960 and um, and I remember and it would only began Big Lake Camp about 1963 I think Walter was just a baby then and when the Davisons you know donated the first parcel of land there and we moved down here in 1967 father pastored here and he was the camp manager for 25 years there so I'm so I didn't know that you didn't know that yeah. I did not know that yeah he built the tuck shop which is why we moved it and didn't tear it down picked it up cement pad and all moved it down to the lakefront that explains an awful lot now yeah, it explains an awful lot yeah and I, I, re- I remember we were out there we would go out Larry and I uh, my brother we would go out and play with Philip and Walter and and uh, and some other kids from around the community here. Every every weekend, every Sunday, we'd drive our bikes out, and uh, and be out there. But I mean, Big Lake Camp. I remember sitting in a big um, a big tent that was on the first property, and I was eight years old. And uh, and somebody turned around to me. Well, it was it was uh, Doug Hardy is who it was. You remember Doug from Loose Mountain? Doesn't matter. And he's a professor. He's a professor now. But I remember he turned around and uh, said to me at the end of this one service, he said, "Mark, would you like to go up to the altar and ask Jesus into your heart?" And I was I was eight, right? Yeah. And I said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, I didn't, I, you know, I just didn't comprehend then everything. Sure. But the memories, the friendships, and uh, and the depth of the presence of God that was there ever since, you know. I think later that week I I did. Um, you know, carried on the journey, but I mean, it's a child's faith at those times. Yep. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, do. You don't, you don't grasp the, how serious life is. You don't grasp how serious your decisions are, and you don't. You know, maybe you're not as conscious as you are later on, or maybe some are. I wasn't, but uh, but Big Lake Camp, you know, has affected so many people for so long. I, I mean, there's stories. Walter Wilcox working there for for years and years and years. And I mean, he would he would be up there working by himself, and so. Um, so it's a it's a pretty important place for us, you know, to be a to be a part of that, and we're and we're pleased to be a part of that. Well, it's our, yeah. I mean, it's our district center. It is, it, yeah. It is yeah. where we as a district come together yeah. as family and community. Yeah, we we did some statistics on um, on, um, on on the camp and its ministry, and over the last number of years, more people have come to know Christ at Big Lake Camp than all the churches put together every hmm. year, every year. Think of that. Consistently, Consistently year after year. Year after year. Yeah. So to not have that is to not do that. So listener, biglakecamp.ca, head there now. And if you have had any, um, I didn't ask permission to do this, but if you have ever been or have had any, um, known anybody that's gone and would like to make any kind of donation or support the camp uh, financially, you just head over to that website and you can do that. Um, 
we Oxford Holy Club are a sponsor of Big Lake Camp and very much believe in the ministry there. So please, biglakecamp.ca and find that donate button and let's make it rain money all over that campground. <laughs> make it rain money. You the, preach it. No, I don't think money is the deepest need, but it certainly helps. It certainly helps is right. Well, listener, it's time for the not a sponsor ad, the portion of our show where we highlight a product that we feel does it better than anybody else, but won't support us financially. As a young adult listening to music, I often dreamed of a day when I would be unencumbered by a wire dangling off my ear as my earbuds were squished into my ear canals. Well, listener, today is that day with Apple AirPods. AirPods will forever change the way you use your headphones. Whenever you pull one of your AirPods out of the charging case, they instantly turn on and connect to your iPhone, Apple Watch, iPad, or Mac, or let me tell you, my Windows-based computers. Audio automatically plays as soon as you put them in your ears and pauses when you take them out. It is amazing. To adjust the volume, change the song, make a call, or even get directions, you just double tap to activate Siri. I dreamed of a time like this. I use these for everything. This is how I um, consume my podcasts, my music, or through these headphones. And in my opinion, nobody does it better at providing a wireless, effortless, and magical experience than Apple AirPods. Not a sponsor. Well, welcome back, listener. Uh, Make sure you go on out and purchase one of those Apple AirPods. Those things have changed my life. Scam alert. I told you in the last episode about an email I received. I'm not going to go into detail. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. I just wanted to update you. And and uh, Mark, I shared with you a little bit um, during the break or yesterday. <laughs> We're not that professional. Um, uh, I shared with you this whole scam email I've gotten and how I'm looking forward to just kind of getting some humor out of it. But so... Um, I've responded to the email that we received, this scam email, Ms. Zanab's request uh, for me to help her to get money into our country, to me, and anyway. So my email is this, hello, uh, Ms. Kolibali. I'm unsure if I'm able to help, but if possible, what can I do? Thanks. And that that's it. I, I sent that email off, and next week, um, I'm happy to share the response listener that, that I'm sure to get. Now, we're going to move on, and uh, unfortunately, I'm running out of time, but I do want to get to our Wesley question of the day, and uh, as you know, John and Charles Wesley would get together with different men from Oxford um, University to uh, for an accountability group, and they would ask each other 22 questions every time they would gather, and this was one of them. Do I pray about the money I spend? So what we do is we kind of toss the question out and uh, and then just kind of have some conversation around it. Keeping in mind, I'm picking my kids up now in uh, about 10 minutes. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I know. Um, so what do you think? Why would they be asking themselves that specific question? Do I pray about the money I spend? Well, I suppose probably, Brad, they be, would be praying about the money they spend um, because it was a recognition of whose money it was. Right? I mean, I mean, Wesley, when he died, what did, what did he say? He said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Yes. Right? And so that when he died, um, I think he, what, his personal possession was a fork or something like that, a spoon or something? Uh, 
He was buried with it. Are you serious? Yeah, serious. Yeah, it was. It was something like that. That by the time he died, he had relinquished all material goods, or so the story goes. I, I know Psalm fifty ten says, "Every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills." When that was written, uh, when David would have wrote that, cattle and livestock, that that was the currency then, right? That was the currency then, yeah. So, I mean, he already owns it. So, like you said, it's a recognition of who owns the money. So, when they're praying about what they spend it on, I, I got quoted by, it's my own fault, I got quoted, I said it on this show a couple episodes ago, that if you made it, you spend it, or something like that. If it's your, oh, yeah. if it's your yeah. money, you spend it. And I corrected myself. Um, cause it, I didn't mean it like that. It was, yeah, but someone gave me grief for it, You're right. but it's not my money. Right. It's, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's an interesting, and this, you know, probably would be a long conversation, but it would be a really good conversation in terms of economies Yeah. because there is an economy of the spirit as in the same way, there's an economy of, uh, of, of the world, like a global economy, you know, and there's an, an economy where you say, well, if you, if you made the money, you should spend it, but you don't actually make money. That's called well, you know, forgery or whatever it is, you know, oh, yeah, what yeah. is that called anyway? Uh, no, isn't it? Isn't counterfeiting. It? Oh, counterfeiting. counterfeiting. Yes, That's it is. It. Yes, it is. So, so if you make money, you're a counterfeiter. Yeah. Right. So maybe you're a Christian counterfeiter. If you think that money's yours, but you don't make money, you earn money. Hmm. Right. So in everything, you know, in, in all economies only deals with a transaction of selling something. Right, you don't you don't earn any money unless you're selling something. So if you go to work at the plant, you're selling your hours that you have every day, you know, and yeah. they're they're going to exchange that yeah. your time, you know, and your activity there for for cash, for dollars, or or whatever is the currency of exchange in your in your area, you know. But there is a there is a certain amount of currency, spiritual currency. What do you think about that? Hey, well, there we go. Well, yeah, I, yeah. Keep well, listen, that up. I, I preached a sermon months Did you ago a ser- called cur- currency, that? currency of the Speak. Kingdom. Come on. No, you keep talking. You're the guest, <laughs> no, not me. I'm not talking. That's all I'm saying. Well, <clears throat> okay. What what did you say? Well, I don't know. Now I'm all scared. Uh, you're my DS and my. <laughs> No, I, I, there's, there's a currency of the kingdom. And I, my, my, the message I spoke about was how Judas, who was a follower of Jesus was more invested in the currency of the world than he was in the other. Anyway, that, you know, I'm not re-preaching my sermon here. Yeah. Well, well, even he was more invested in the security of the world. Yeah. Currencies come and go. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Tear my sermon apart. Uh, Good. Here we go. I'm not going to tear it apart at all. It's fine. But, but but there is a, there is a currency of the spirit that impacts the world, but it, but it relates more to, uh, you know, to what Paul said in Romans, you know, the flesh battles against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, you know, and the flesh deals with gold and silver currency, but the spirit battles against, you know, well, what's the currency of heaven? You know, what's that? What is that? Well, that would probably would be faith, you know, um, you know, when, when Jesus was asked, you know, give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar unto God, the things that are God's, you know, and the, and the coin in the fish's mouth and all that kind of stuff. Well, who lost the coin? There's the question. How did they lose the coin and how'd that crazy fish pick it up? And what, what was he doing within his mouth? Right. And so, you know, I mean, if, like, like there is, there's a, there in Matthew, was it Matthew five or six? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So, so obviously then there's the currency of the kingdom of heaven that influences the currency of the world, which is an, inter- that would be an interesting conversation something, but that would be a long one. So I guess for, for these guys asking themselves that, I have to think if you're sitting in a meeting and you're going through 22 questions, I often wondered, are they going into long, like how long did they meet? So are they going into long conversation or is there a shorter thing that this kind of focuses their mind on? Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I think it, in that in that context of those guys that met at the Oxford Club, you know, the, yep. in, in Oxford, that it would be um, that it would be more of a of an aligning to the kingdom of heaven, sure. seeking first the kingdom of heaven, you know, and then then um, and then looking to see how these things are added unto you, mm-hmm. you know, whatever these things might be. And I think Jesus there was referring to clothes and food, and you know, but you know, I mean, that was the first temptation. You know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, when Satan asked Jesus to turn the bread, 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 you know, it's the basic need. You know, I am the bread of life, but uh, but also it was it was bread. You know that uh, that keeps hunger away, keeps you alive. Yeah. So, the question is: Do I pray about the money that I spend? I, I mean, we can talk about why we think that's important. I think we have, um, whether we do that our own, on our own personal time, I think we should praying about where our money's going. I'm, again, it's not our money. So where does, where does he want it to go? And, and it's like, what, you know, like Wesley said, give all you can. Yeah. But I, I, th- I think sometimes we do pray about the money we spent when you buy a new car. Do you pray about this? Uh, yeah. When we bought the van, we still went up with a Chrysler though. So <laughs> you should have got a Ford. Oh. Obviously you didn't pray hard enough. Well, apparently. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's brought to you by Taylor Ford. Uh, not a sponsor. <laughs> Shoot. Well, we need to wrap this up, Mark. Okay. Uh, so I want to ask you t- two last questions, and we're just we're just going to hit these kind of quick. Is cereal soup? Is cereal soup? I want you to know I actually went and found the definitions what for cereal. cereal? Say, what is cereal? That's a good point. What well, is cereal? Well, cereal is more is is more with like made from grains and and that type of thing, oats and whatever. Right. Where a soup is supposed to be, um, how did they describe it? Usually has a kind of meat component or well, something. Barley like that. soup. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so. Uh, we what was uh, is a hot dog a sandwich was one we did a couple episodes ago oh, and yeah, I actually yeah. got comments into the show about that about our answers and, and yeah. anyway so uh, know that more people are hanging on this question now than anything else we've said and to this anything point. else right now is cereal soup in your opinion is cereal soup in my opinion no why not it's cold you know what well you fair enough so heat is heat then the, that's the thing? That's that, the defining characteristic of any food stuff right there. Hmm. And, it's, and it's also because uh, if you use milk on your cereal. Yeah. It's uh, tomato soup though. Well, tomato soup. I put, I put milk you in You put that. milk in tomato soup? Yeah, but milk, milk is an animal byproduct used for new calves that's, that's generated inside another animal that we siphon out and we think this is good for us now. Hmm. What? It's not water. Soup has water and it's hot. Listen to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, there you go. Uh, cereal is not soup. If you disagree with us, you can reach out to us, uh, Facebook, Twitter, or our email. Last question is this. I know that you love to spend time in the woods and, yep, I do. Uh, and uh, with a chainsaw and all that kind of stuff. This question comes from Yahoo and it comes from user Vanessa. And Vanessa asks, what is a phobia? What is the phobia of chainsaws called? What is a phobia of chainsaws called? Now, I do want to give you one of the answers that came through. There is a phobia of chainsaws? Nah, I don't think so. But you, uh, Yahoo user Frank N. responded with common sense. 
Common sense is a phobia. Common sense. Uh, common is the, sense is a sickness. Apparently, it's common sense to be afraid of chainsaws. What, what currency is common sense? Oh no, I don't. Oh dear, really? <laughs> uh, well, do you think there's such a thing as a phobia of chainsaws? Oh, I think there probably is, and uh, and I think it's actually there's a name for it, and I believe it's called uh, arborphobia. Um, arborphobia. That's what it is. I'm going to look that up. Arbor as in trees. Oh. Yeah, our ball, our, um, what's, what's the name for the science of trees, cutting trees, our arbology. Oh my goodness. Really? Well, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. I'm just trusting you. <laughs> Say it with enough authority. They'll believe anything. Oh dear. Well, uh, last thing is this. Uh, I gave you a heads up when we came in. Hopefully you've been thinking about this nonstop as we've been talking. Herbology? No, a music recommendation. Uh, something that maybe you've been listening to, a song or an artist or anything like that that we could recommend to the people out there. Oh, you know what? I, li I like it all. But you know what? I Yeah, I was thinking of it. You know what I like most? I, I'll tell you what I do is I go to sleep at night with my Bluetooth headset or, or earbuds. I you got one of those. I do. I like it a lot too. Um, uh, listening to soaking music, soaking worship music. You can find a playlist yeah, of that called, on Spotify. Can you really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't looked. I just listen and then go to sleep. It's spiritual sleep. Okay. There you go. So spiritual sleep. Spiritual sleep. Where did you find that? Spiritual sleep? Yeah. Like, right. what, where are you yeah. listening to that? Uh, what service? You, oh, I don't know. I just, uh, YouTube. YouTube. Just okay. whatever's on, I find, you know, a nice set at the start. Not a Not a sponsor either. It should be a sponsor. Well, that'd be something. Wouldn't it be something though? Yeah. YouTube but, sponsoring an auto, audio only media. Oh, well, they're now. Medium. Yeah. <sighs> well, they have a whole new music service now, don't they? They do. Yeah. It costs money. It costs money. I don't, I, I'm not a fan of spending money on that. Because I, I pray about where I spend my money. Uh, uh, well, thank you, Mark, for coming in for the show today. I hope that you had uh, a great time. And remember, listener, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or you can email us at the Oxford Holy Club at gmail.com. Send in your questions. We'd love to be able to take time to answer them. And uh, until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.